0: Hello, I'm Zanele Butelezi, and welcome to China Africa Talk. Can the world seal the historic deal to stem the destruction of nature? In this episode, we look at the COP15 Biodiversity Conference with Dr. Marco Antonio Cabero Tabalaga.
1: One of the big issues maybe is the financial support, you know, because to take uh, actions and massive actions, probably governments uh, need uh, a lot of funds.
0: And Professor Xin Chun Mo.
2: And 25% of the spaces are facing extreme stress. These changes are shaking the foundation of our realization of the UN uh, Sustainable Development Goals.
0: The COP15 Biodiversity Summit has struggled to make progress on funding conservation efforts in developing countries or on a pledge to protect 30% of the land and oceans. Thousands of government officials, scientists and activists from nearly 200 countries are meeting in Montreal, Canada for the UN COP15 Biodiversity Conference. The two-week meeting is expected to deliver a new global plan to protect sensitive ecosystems and restore the delicate balance between humans and nature by the end of the decade. The Montreal Summit is the second part of a meeting that was hosted in 2021 by China in Kunming. Negotiations were expected to gain momentum when environmental ministers took over from their delegates on Thursday, before the conference wraps up on December 19. To discuss COP15 and biodiversity conservation, let me welcome my guest, Dr. Marco Antonio Cabello Dabalaga, the Deputy Secretary-General of the South-South, Biodiversity Scientific Project, an initiative of the China Biodiversity Conservation and Green Development Foundation, and Professor Xinchuan Mo, a researcher at Lijiang Teachers College and an expert with the International Union for Conservation of Nature and Natural Resources. We've just had the UN COP 27, which deals with climate, a few weeks back. And now we are looking at COP 15. And many people might be asking themselves, why do we need so many COPs and what do they mean? So let's start with this question, Dr. Cabero. What is COP 15 and why does it matter?
1: COP means Conference of the Parties. Okay, and why the number 15? Because it's the 15th time they are gathering. So there are different COPs, as you said. COP 2017 was focused on climate change. But in this case, COP 15 that is happening right now in Canada is the most important conference in biodiversity conservation. So this meeting is very important because it plays a role on finalizing a global accord to reverse biodiversity loss and restore nature. Uh, It had two parts. The first part of this meeting happened in October 20... Uh, sorry, was scheduled for 2020, but because of the virus was, was postponed. But the second part now is happening in, in December, from December 7th to December 19 in Canada. So um, it's, a, it's a very important meeting where the, can- the leaders of many countries, the ministries, accord and agree on what kind of activities we'll do individually and collectively in order to protect and live in harmony with nature. That's probably the most important aspect of this meeting.
0: And now let me come to you, Professor Xin um, Chun. How do you see the state of our biodiversity right now?
2: Okay, biodiversity is the basis of human survival. You will know when I, I was young, we look many, many plants. When I grow up, you find that the loss of the biodiversity. But one of the things is uh, we have over farming. We have planting more single plants and to have it to uh, supply our food and to feed the human beings. So it is the broad foundation of the community of the life on Earth. Uh, Also, we have some more than half of the world's total GDP depends on the contribution of the natural resource. So when the world going forwards, more than 3 billion people live. Live coral depend on the marine and coastal biodiversity. We need to more and more fish to meet the demand of the human beings survive. So, however, the current Earth ecosystem is being destroyed. We know that all the fishing is very it's hard to find now, and some spaces are lost. And the Earth has lost over 100 million hectares of tropical forests and more than 85 uh, percent of the wetlands. So it's many, many, wetlands are lost loss we cannot to support the wildlife surviving. So we, so and ten, we find some very critical uh, stages. Uh, and twenty-five percent of the spaces are f- facing extreme stress. And the, these changes are shaking the foundation of our realization of the UN uh, sustainable development goals. They are undermining the well-being of the mankind. We are standing a o- low in protecting the biodiversity achieving a sustainable global development.
0: Let me come back to you, Dr. Cabero. We just heard here Professor Xin Quan touching on some of the activities or the drivers of uh, biodiversity loss. And uh, where does um, climate change come in? How does climate change exacerbate the situation as well as the illegal sale of wildlife? How much of these issues affect our biodiversity?
1: Well, this is a a very good question, Pearl. Um, Definitely, climate change is affecting the biodiversity loss. How? Well, uh, we can observe that in many countries in the world, or we have excessive floods, or we have droughts. So when we have excessive floods, we have a lot of species that are losing part of their land. We have people that is affected for, this, for these floods. We have biodiversity that is dying because of the floods. In the same way, the droughts are affecting life. As you said, uh, I coming from Bolivia. Bolivia at this moment is about four is becoming a desert. Forty percent desert. So you can imagine, uh, yeah, almost half of the territory is becoming a, a desert. And that's not only happening in Bolivia, it's happening in so many countries around the world, okay? And this is happening because of the human human activities, uh, forest fire. You know, it's something very difficult to control, forest fire. Imagine a, fo- a fire starts in a forest. So animals maybe have not too much time to escape, to run away. So, so many species die, so many animals die. In some cases, maybe this fire can reach some communities, maybe some people is also affected. Uh, this problem is exacerbated definitely by climate change. Uh, climate change is producing these excessive floods, excessive rains in some parts of, of the world and in other regions, these droughts. So it's definitely one of the uh, one of the main issues. Another issue that we can also mention that is affecting uh, biodiversity loss is the uh, unsustainable consumption and production. Professor Sinchun, Professor Mo, uh, a few minutes ago he mentioned uh, the coastal reefs, and also um, there there is one big problem here because you know what we are doing with all the plastic that we. Consume uh, that we use. In some cases, we are we are we are digging some holes on the land and 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 let's say we, we store the plastic there, you know. Yep. But that that's not a sustainable way to get rid of plastic. In other cases, we are taking this plastic to the ocean. You know, that's very simple. We just. Uh, we just throw it into the ocean, but you know, that is affecting so many, uh, the, the fishing, there's so many biodiversity loss, m- marine loss. So pollution is another problem, uh, urbanization in some cases, you know, the quantity of bees that have been lost in US because of, uh, of this uh, problem of climate change, because of climate change, some flowers are blooming earlier than before. So there is no synchrony between the the, uh, pollinators and the flowers. So that is also producing some problem. And this is the worst part, because the problem is not only that bees will disappear. If bees disappear, some other species will disappear as well. So if we change uh, the food chain or or this food web, if we change one element, that's going to affect automatically many other elements. That happened with the wolves in Yellowstone Park. Maybe you heard about this story. In, in the Yellowstone Park, the, the people killed all the wolves because they thought they were a threat for all living things in Yellowstone Park. But uh, when they did that, when they finished with all the wolves, other species were disappearing as well. Not only animals, but also plants. And even the rivers were changing. You know, the course of the river was changing. So they noticed that. And in the 1990s, they inserted 14 wolves only and they restore the ecosystem in Yellowstone Park. So it's very important. It seems like nothing, you know? It seems like, okay, one species is disappearing. Uh, It's okay, we have like uh, 8 million species, but there are keystone species. If they disappear, then this could produce a very big effect in in the food chain and, and also in nature the loss of habitat, the extinction of species, and the decline of total biomass. Despite ongoing efforts, biodiversity is deteriorating worldwide, and this situation is projected to worsen with business-as-usual scenarios. Yet people around the world are still trying their best to turn the tide.
0: We've also found that the cow are hunting closer to the urban edge, particularly
1: males… Most experts agree that organic farming is the best way to promote… More well, than 1,300 plants and 500 animals are on Australia's threatened species… Now, there is another chance for the world to preserve biodiversity and save ourselves. The second phase of the UN Biodiversity Conference, COP15, is underway. Listen to the stories of those people who fight on the front line of biodiversity protection. Follow the latest details about the COP15 meetings in Montreal, Canada only on
2: CGTN Radio.
0: You are mentioning some of the efforts that are being done or that have been done to restore some of the the losses. The question then is why our efforts are not enough? Why are they not producing the desired results? Why are they not effective enough? Why do we need to keep on having these meetings talking about the same thing over and over? And now we are looking and setting new targets. So what's your opinion, Dr. Cabrera?
1: Well, that's also a very, very good question. Maybe a very difficult one. I I don't know exactly um, how to answer this question because there are several meetings there are several countries several leaders that that gather there are some agreements like the Paris agreement as well but uh, probably one of the big issues maybe is the financial support because to take uh, actions and massive actions probably governments need a lot of funds uh, for example, uh, to fight the certification, the government doesn't need to work alone. It needs to include uh, research agencies, uh, universities, companies, maybe some international cooperation. So, probably this kind of project requires a different approach. And, probably uh, uh, from my perspective, I think they could maybe try to see the form to include the society. Because I I have the the feeling that maybe uh, society has also some responsibility and some role to play with the CBC-GDF and also with the Andean Road Countries for Science and Technology, which is uh, another organization that is also focused on promoting the green science. We think that the small actions made by individuals like us at home, at the university, at the school, at our working place, these small actions maybe could produce a big effect if they are followed and done by many people. So we think that uh, from that perspective inspiring and engaging the society into this uh, activity will be one way to really see some 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 change, some progress. If we leave this on the hands of the government uh, and maybe say okay it's their responsibility not mine <laughs> maybe it's we are not going to see the changes uh, that uh, these agendas are, are working on or are trying to promote. So I think involving the society, involving uh, professors, involving universities, involving the people, uh, will be a, a more important strategy to, to fight against, against these biodiversity loss.
0: Your organization, though, is doing something very interesting. It's, I mean, even in its name, it says it's the South-South Biodiversity Science Project, uh, which was launched in 2021. So maybe just elaborate on on the work that you do, because I see it focuses or emphasizes the collaboration between countries in the global south, as most people would call it, the region. And um, also, you know, what kind of work have you done so far
1: Yes, uh, the project is, uh, was launched last year. Uh, it's called the South-South Biodiversity Science Project. And it's focused on on South-South cooperation. Why we're focusing on, on the South-South? Because, you know, most of the developing countries probably are located in the South, probably most of them. And, you know, the developing countries are facing so many difficulties. And according to, to the United Nations Secretary General, Developing countries need a lot of help, you know, uh, to fight uh, this climate crisis and these biodiversity loss. So our main purpose is to collaborate, is to engage, is to promote, is to exchange uh, knowledge, is to provide tools and actions that can help people to understand why it's important to protect biodiversity and what they can do to protect it. So that has been so far the the main task, the main goal. And we have been working with several countries already, promoting the green science, uh, promoting the science popularization as well, as a tool to let people understand in simple language why we need to care about environment and how we we can do that. Just this year, we had um, a couple of events in Latin America that involves several universities, even the government. We, we prepare a framework and we explain people, we train people on this issue of uh, the carbon footprint, for example. What is the benefit if we reduce it and how we can reduce it?
0: Let me come back to Professor Shen Chuan. China is a major role player in most sectors or in many sectors. And here in biodiversity, when we talk about the protection of our environment, China seems to be many steps ahead of many countries. And so I'm, I'm wondering where do you see China's role and how crucial is it for China to play a leading role in biodiversity conservation globally?
2: You know that before the pandemic expansion, Chinese government had to make a protection of the wildlife, especially by some animals and, and the France. You know, in China, the food style is very, uh, quite different. So now when they know the biodiversity is very important to us, our carbon city is very war- expensive, very fast in the world. So when uh, the human being activity, need more spaces to, to expand the city in, uh, areas. And now it will reduce the wildlife surviving spaces when we mention about the biodiversity, it's very, quite important. Uh, so we made some uh, strategies to protect it. You know, I'm in uh, Lijiang, the host places of the biodiversity in, in the world. So it's uh, very interesting. We have couple to balance the economic development and the uh, biodiversity protection. It's very important to balance these two parts of, we can from the human and nature, to co-survive in the same spaces, and we have shared the same space to live. So now we have get a, a very benefit from, you know, that. so we, on the one way we need to protect the biodiversity, but the other way the human being, especially Chinese people, need to survive in, in the same spaces. So the government know about these barriers is quite difficult. So we need, need to practice them, uh, like medical plants on the forest. So you can have the uh, medical plant to to sell in the market, but we also protect the forest not to cut down, to save the, all the green pot. You know, the, the market in China, we can see many, many cities, we have many green size. It's very fast to grow up, not only on the wide forest forestation, but also in, in the carbon, cities we ought to uh, save all the green pork in carbon cities and now uh, we also to protect the three liver like the yangtze liver and, and the yellow liver we ought to protect the desert to uh, recovery all the green the forest and to save the the water and and the soil
0: let's come back to cop uh, 15 in montreal what are your expectations from these discussions? What are you expecting to come out? We know that there is this new global biodiversity framework uh, that is being discussed as uh, countries and activists and government officials seek to, or try to find a plan that will take us forward in our efforts to protect our ecosystems around the world. What are you expecting from these talks?
2: You know that the biodiversity change is a very a long term to observation to know the biodiversity uh, the environment change so why the biodiversity conservation is very important to us because we know that the food chains we know the wolf we have is the wolf uh, to make the river chains, and we need to uh, many many control in, in the protection the biodiversity but also a need to more a uh, government to know the biodiversity is important to their uh, people. So, it, the long-term goal is the target for bioconservation conservation and sustainable use and the fair benefit sharing. You know, China have the benefit from the biodiversity protection, and now including the expanding the protect area and reduce the pollution. We popularizing education. Of the science, uh, you need to, many people to involve in and many countries to, to achieve the same goal, I, I think.
0: And uh, how about you, Dr. Cabero? Uh, I heard you earlier mentioning the importance of finance. We see that in the proposed new framework, prominence is placed on um, financial support and capacity building in targets yeah. uh, 19 of the framework, as well as last year, we heard the Chinese president Xi Jinping announcing millions and millions of uh, U.S. dollars that were pledged by China uh, to a new fund to support uh, biodiversity protection projects, especially in uh, developing countries. So how important uh, would you say all these efforts are in terms of ensuring that we do move forward and even meet some of the targets that are being set?
1: I think that um, as as the United Nations Secretary mentioned in his speech, he mentioned that we are treating nature like a toilet. And uh, I think this is something that um, hopefully is going to change with actions, especially with actions and with the good usage of these funds. I think it's very important that promises made are also kept. And um, at the end, uh, I hope and I think that um, forging this peace with, with nature, we really um, help humans to live more sustainably. Uh, you know, biodiversity loss, as Professor Mo said, uh, also affects the economy, you know? So uh, there is an intricate link between economy, biodiversity, climate change, uh, etc. cetera. So um, I, I really hope that, um, uh, this this meeting, the result could be uh, this document and these individual and collective actions can really forward into this plan that it has been set for maybe 10 years and, and also there is another plan for 2050. So hopefully the, the leaders will, will agree and these funds can really be allocated in the right way to, to make this happen, to make this true.
0: And uh, how do we encourage society individuals in our communities to also play a very, very important or a leading role in protecting our ecosystems?
1: Well, I think education is a key role here. Uh, We need to to reach communities in a friendly and and direct way. It's a simple and friendly way. So I think education is the key, science popularization, but not the science that speaks in a complicated language, but a science that is more simple to understand. Uh, we, we have created this tool, it's called the quantum leap to green action. Again, it's show people how these small actions that we can do every day, how they can produce a big effect. So if we can involve universities, communities in doing this kind of work, I think they uh, they, they will feel more engaged. You know, if, if we find a creative way a creative uh, thinking, uh, to do this, then we can really achieve something meaningful with communities in different regions of the world, especially uh, that are really affected by biodiversity loss. Creativity, education, and science popularization, I think, are very important tools uh, that can help people, the society, to also engage into action.
0: That's all the time we have for our discussion. Let me thank my guest, Dr. Marco Antonio Cabero Zabalaga the Deputy Secretary-General of the South-South Biodiversity Scientific Project, an initiative of the China Biodiversity Conservation and Green Development Foundation, and Professor Xin Chun Mo, a researcher at Lijiang Teachers College and an expert with the International Union for Conservation of Nature and Natural Resources. Thank you for joining us and goodbye for now.